Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Today's guest, social entrepreneur Justin Wheeler, is the CEO of Fundraise, a digital fundraising platform that nonprofits have used to raise almost $1 billion. He'll also share insights about his superpower, optimism. If you'd like to have more success and more impact, stick around. Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a thrill to have you on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Well, uh, you're doing just some of my favorite, favorite stuff. I'm a huge fan of crowdfunding. I'm a huge fan of nonprofits. I'm a whole, I'm a huge fan of social entrepreneurship. Uh, You're doing all of that. So uh, it is really an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Tell us about Fundraise. Absolutely. So I'll take one step back. Uh, Prior to Fundraise, I spent 12 years in the nonprofit sector, uh, started two nonprofit organizations, raised about $100 through digital fundraising, and was just never happy with the software, uh, the technology uh, that was out there in the market. And so um, about about three-fourths of the way into my career uh, in the nonprofit sector, started building Fundraise at night with my two business partners. Uh, and we often would say we were fundraising during the day and building fundraising technology at night. And um, we, you know, we just saw in the market just a huge fragmentation of of just of of just the technology landscape. Uh, organizations using three or four different pieces of software. So we had a vision early on to to create an all in one solution that would help organizations, uh, you know, not just steward their donors, manage their donors, but also to provide uh, just world class experience on the front end. Uh, for all things, you know, r- related to fundraising, I, I once said to my business partners that it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be easier to buy toilet paper on Amazon than it is to give to your favorite charity, and and so we really obsess over that user experience, uh, you know, especially, you know, I think the pandemic underscored just this acceleration in the in the, in the digital economy, uh, and it's and now more than ever, it's important for organizations to really optimize their giving experience online. Uh, and so Fundraise is a software solution built uh, to give a fundraiser a full, t- a full um, stack solution around all things related to, to fundraising and donor management and analytics and, and so forth. Well, this is, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head describing this as fragmented and difficult and, and people are, nonprofits are using different pieces. And so it, I'm excited to learn more about what your platform does, but part of what you have built is, is by dropping the D in fundraising, clearly you've tried to make this fun in some way. Tell us about that. Yeah. You know, so spending 12 years in the nonprofit uh, space, I often saw that the fundraising teams were the teams that were the most stressed that, often didn't get the recognition and everyone wanted to be on the program teams, the, the teams yeah. that were, you know, making the most change in the world. Right. Uh, but I, I saw fundraising really as, as the conduit to programs. Like you can't have programs without world-class fundraising. And, um, you know, I personally always would get so excited when the opportunity to sit across from a donor and to invite them into, uh, you know, a, an opportunity to raise, to raise funds and, and to invest in, in, in our organization. Uh, so when we, when we were starting the organization off the company, uh, fundraise, we said, you know, it's going to be part of our mission is going to be to put a smile on all fundraisers faces. That's why we've got a smiley face in our logo. 
fact, like within the first year, we, we actually um, created a musical uh, around uh, fundraise. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a part of our DNA as a, as a company. Uh, it's part one of our goals is to ensure that fundraisers around the world um, are, are remembered as individuals of absolute importance and that they have fun, you know, doing, I think, one of the most important jobs in the nonprofit space today. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some great slogans out there like no, no money, no mission, right? That describe the, the importance of this, right? You can't do any good in the world without some money to fund it. Uh, exactly. Even if you're organizing volunteers, you know, somebody's got to buy the bagels, right? Someone's <laughs> got to buy the coffee. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, you can't really do any good without, uh, without the money. Uh, tell us a little bit, you know, this, many members of this audience are involved in nonprofits. Some want to start nonprofits. Tell us a little bit about the features. Get, get, get a little bit granular. Maybe wander off into the weeds for a minute and tell us about fundraise as a tool. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start on the back end. Uh, so fundraise, you know, is a full CRM, uh, which allows you to manage your constituents, uh, right? So build profiles, enhance the data with wealth information, demographic information, uh, log interactions and activities and tasks and you know gifts and so forth. Just basically a full fledged CRM that allows you uh, to have a full picture of of an individual donor or uh, and more advanced reporting and analytics that we call fundraise intelligence allows you to create real-time dashboards that brings all the data together so that you can make a good decision uh, when, when you're thinking about event fundraising or any, any sort of you know, channel-based fundraising. Um, it, uh, the ability just to have a, a complete picture of, of who your supporters are, how they've been involved, how they've been interacted with, and, and so forth. Uh, and then how that, all that data gets you know, dumped into the CRM is through all of our tools on the front end uh, that are uh, around the acquisition side of, of donors. And so we've got, you know, um, giving forms, we call them smart giving forms because they're incredibly efficient, uh, but we're also able to enhance a donor's information as they input information, like wealth information as, as, as an example. Um, and then it's just loaded with all sorts of other features, company matching, recurring giving, um, pledges, th things like that. Uh, then we also have for, for like campaign-based fundraising or capital campaigns, we've got um, a beautiful, you know, peer-to-peer -to -peer tool that allows you to build your own web fundraising websites, invite your supporters uh, to create their own fundraising pages uh, to raise funds. You know, this is great for Giving Tuesday, end-of-year fundraising, as I mentioned, capital campaigns. I uh, also have events, a whole event suite uh, for ticketing, registration. Um, yeah, allows you to track attendance night of your events and, and lots of fundraising technology for live, uh, live, live fundraising. Um, and, and then also a, a, a few different mobile apps that allow you to, uh, you know, as a fundraiser, uh, and you're, as you're on the road, meeting with donors gives you ability to check in on when the last time this donor has been interacted with, you know, what their last gift might've been just really nice clean uh, user interface. And on the donor facing side, a donor has an app that where they can also manage their contributions, pull tax receipts, update their recurring gifts, you know, uh, update their fundraising page, all of the all of that. And you know, this is something we've been we've put we've been focusing a lot more on lately. Most organizations don't know this, but over 58% of their web traffic is actually coming from mobile. Uh, donors prefer a mobile experience, not just a responsive experience, you know, where the, the screen fits to your screen size, uh, but an actual like real application where they're going to actually do 
the things that you you know we do in other applications, uh, banking a, a, as an example. And so, um, yeah, we we have a full suite of of tools, both for organizations and for donors, uh, to to really um, enhance the giving and administrative side of of stewarding donors. Uh, it's it is such a great reminder that uh, web tra- web traffic has shifted to to mobile, and we don't often think about that, especially if we have any gray hair, right? <laughs> Those of us with gray hair get excited because we know how to use a computer. Uh, so yeah, it's a good reminder that that's all shifting to mobile and that takes a whole new generation of, of strategic thinking. So um, it's great to hear that you're making that leap. Um, tell us about some use cases. Uh, maybe you could give us a a case study, an example, uh, a story about someone successfully using fundraise to really make a difference in the world. Yeah, and absolutely. So um, well, I'll reference so many different examples here, but I'll, um, I'll talk about an organization, an early customer that's, that's still with Fundraise today. Uh, they're called Dressember. Uh, they're a small team, team of, I think, four or five individuals, uh, but they raise about $3 million every December through peer-to-peer fundraising. You know, large enterprise organizations wish they could wait, raise $3 million through, uh, through peer-to-peer fundraising. And so this organization has really created a movement. They've got thousands and thousands of fundraisers, tens of thousands of donors. And one of the things early on that we really prioritized was the integration between our suite of tools and social media uh, tools. Uh, So Instagram, Facebook, Twitch. And so we give an individual fundraiser the ability to connect their page that they create on fundraise with all these other channels. We we have a strong belief that omni-channel fundraising is the most effective way uh, to to raise funds instead of bringing donors to your one page, go to all where all of your friends and supporters are are already interacting, uh, and so um, December, an organization that uh, really utilized and, and still utilizes our peer to peer results, when they came on to fundraise, their first year on fundraise, they grew by over two hundred percent because of just the ease of use that we provided to the to their fundraisers, but also the uh, connection between all these other platforms uh, that were important uh, to capture uh, attention on. And so that's, that's, a, that's a small, you know, sort of uh, example. I think like, you know, generally speaking, like on a, on a macro level, if you look at our customer base at large, which is about 2000 uh, nonprofits on, on the platform, we're seeing if we compare sort of the, our peer-to-peer fundraising and our online sort of giving metrics to like bench industry benchmark standards, um, we're seeing on the fundraising side, our customers um, uh, raising 2x more than the national average. Uh, and so I think a lot of that is is definitely around just the ease of use that we that we make it. We make it very easy to contribute. Uh, and so it, it's it's definitely an exciting time to be in, in, in the in the space as we're continuing to think about new ways and new opportunities. Uh, to help you know organizations raise funds. I mean, crypto is another great example. We launched crypto giving two and a half years ago uh, on our platform, and we've seen millions of dollars donated through crypto gifts. Um, and and this is this is an area that you know again organizations should be looking at and thinking through uh, as they expand their fundraising capabilities. Yeah, it's it's really difficult for a lot of nonprofits to figure out what cryptocurrency is, uh, forget how to start accepting it. And yet uh, there are 
you know, what is it, a trillion dollars now of market capitalization in in cyber uh, currency? So it's, you know, our cryptocurrency. We got to get uh, that integrated into nonprofit systems. So it's cool that you did that two and a half years ago. That was very forward thinking of you. So no, yeah, uh, that's. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just I was just gonna say. I mean, I think, you know, it's uh, nonprofits are are generally, you know, five to 10 years behind the curve. And, uh, you know, the reason, at least in, in my opinion, why that is, is um, they're not encouraged to take risks. They're not encouraged to um, to fail. And I think this is what holds a lot of organizations back from really succeeding. Uh, and I think that if we can give organizations the room to, to experiment and to test and even to fail, that we would see an acceleration uh, towards organizations achieving their mission faster. And so, you know, although uh, being a technology provider in this space is just a small role to play in the grand scheme of things, my hope is that we can help organizations make this leap into just a more uh, dynamic way of, of raising funds in the 21st century. Yeah, uh, it's, it is just critical. It's, it's a whole mosaic and, and you're, you're building that whole mosaic with so, so kudos and congratulations. And so far you've helped nonprofits raise about what, three quarters of a billion dollars. Uh, we're actually, uh, coming up to a billion dollars here, but at the end of the year, it'll be a billion dollars raised. We're at about, yeah, about, um, about 800 million, uh, raised so far. And Q4 is generally our uh, biggest season. So sure. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll, we should see, we should see, uh, the billion threshold cross pretty soon. Oh, congratulations. That's a, that's a huge milestone to reach. Well, well, Justin, what is your superpower? What is my superpower? Oh man. You know, so I think, so if, if I was, uh, if I was a fundraiser, I'd answer this differently than if I was, uh, the founder of a company, you know, so I, I would just say, and this is, and I'll kind of explain this a little bit more. Uh, but I'm an incredibly optimistic person, um, which allows me to make big bets and take big risks without the consequence, without the fear of, of, um, you know, uh, what the consequences might be if if we don't hit that target and, and, and so forth. And generally, someone in, in my position, you know, I've got four kids. Um, would would maybe be a little bit more conservative in, in that regards, but I've always just been someone that believes if you if you can think it, you can make it happen. You can find a way to get it done, um, and and you know, so the ability to to be tenacious uh, in the midst of challenges is something that I pride myself on. And I think about you know, when you're starting a business, when you're looking at an industry like the nonprofit space, where it can be incredibly hard to sell into uh, for for lots of different reasons. Um, thinking of, you know, the competition in, in our space, I think having an optimistic outlook allows, allows us to do bigger things and take bigger, bigger bets that if, uh, if we weren't to take, you know, we would just, we would, we would, we would have only seen incremental growth. Uh, and I believe that taking big swings has a direct, obviously correlation, uh, to exponential growth. And, and so, um, that's, that's what I'm really passionate about is, is not just helping fundraise grow, but we grow because our, our goals are aligned with our customers. If our customers are growing, we're growing. Uh, and, and so that's, uh, kind of a lot in one sort of response there, but that's how I would kind of, uh, answer that question, if you will. As you think about that optimism that has been so powerful for you, how did you develop that? You know, we all stumble, we all trip. 
we all struggle. Uh, and yet what we see is optimists tend to be able to get up faster, keep going and be more successful in the long run. Uh, and so it, it's something that I think even if you're pretty optimistic, you want to develop it stronger, right? You want to become more optimistic. Let that become a, a Justin Wheeler type superpower. So how did you develop your optimism? You know, it goes back to an early age. I think, you know, it was something that actually that my parents really helped cultivate. Um, I always wanted to try new things and I was somewhat different, I think, than, uh, than my siblings in, in this way. Um, and my, my, my parents really encouraged me to, to explore and to, you know, think creative and, and to, and to think big. Um, and so I think it, it really goes back to just the way I was raised and the way that my parents really kind of supported, you know, supported me and, in, in what I wanted to do, uh, early on. Um, and, and so I think that's really kind of where it was nurtured. Um, and as, as I've gotten older, I think, you know, there's, I've also thought about, um, and, and I've been using this phrase, you know, more, cause I think there's, there's different, there's different seasons where, um, optimism, uh, I think is, needs to be accelerated or, or declined if you will. Uh, and so I've been using this phrase cautiously optimistic where, um, you know, when I, when I approach a certain, uh, decision or reality, something that could have, you know, a, a, a more significant consequence if it goes sideways, um, thinking about it from a more cautiously or conservatively optimistic perspective has been help, helpful. It's helped hedge the optimism a, a, a bit. Um, but you know, I think that, that is, and, and it's just part of it is just my also personality. It's, it's hard for me. I don't look at failure as, as something as, as like a bad thing, right? I look at it as something that's going to make me better, uh, for the next decision that has to be made or the next thing that I have to do. And so I embrace failure as much as I embrace success. And I think that helps keep me level-headed and helps, helps me really learn from, uh, the decisions, uh, that come and mistakes that come my way. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really, uh, helpful. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I wonder if you could put on a, a professorial garb uh, virtually here and, and think about how you would teach someone to be more optimistic. Uh, you know, let's assume that they're starting with some measure of optimism, but a desire to become more optimistic so that it really becomes a, a, a superpower. How would you teach them to do that? So I would say I would embrace, um, there's this concept I learned a while ago called zero gravity thinking. And a lot of times, um, when you're thinking you're going into maybe a new field or exploring, um, you know, whether it's education or starting a new business, whatever it might be, uh, this concept of zero gravity thinking, it gives you, uh, which, which basically, you know, you don't have a lot of domain expertise. You're not, you're not the expert in the room on the particular thing that you're trying to, uh, get into. And that actually gives you an advantage because you don't have these parameters in, um, or goalposts of, in terms of how you can think about solving a problem, um, or what you, yeah, how you can think about solving a problem. And so I would say, obviously like, you know, you don't want to be like overly naive, 
but you also want to use, you know, um, this, this concept to your advantage so that you can think bigger, you can think outside the box, you can think of different ways to solve the problem. So if someone was, you know, uh, to get a little practical, if someone was, was asking, if someone was like, I need to solve a problem, right? The way I would help on the optimism side is, well, think outside of the box, think of a way that no one else would approach solving this problem. Um, you know, think about uh, from a, a unique perspective, uh, and that's, I think it's, and it's, you know, what I've learned over the, over the years is optimism is actually more of a muscle than it is a, a quality, right? It's, it's as you, as you embrace optimism and as you, you know, curate it around certain events or decisions, it becomes easier and easier, um, to think bigger and to think positively about outcomes. And so I think it's, it's, you know, it's taking, it's taking baby steps, but it's, it's also, training your mind to really think about things differently and outside of the box. And maybe you come back and you make the traditional decision and that's fine, but at least you go through the exercise of, of thinking through all possible creative outcomes. Yeah. That's really, a, I think an important observation. It seems to me too, and, and maybe you have an opinion about this because it's been such a big factor in your life and success, but seems to me that optimism makes people happier, regardless of other outcomes, that it just tends to, that, that optimistic outlook tends to keep people focused on the good. Is, is that what you experience? Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone has like their different situations and backgrounds and, and so forth. But from my experience, optimism has definitely created a lot of of happiness, even in the midst of some challenging hard times. Um, you know, I always, I always believe that it's going to get better and sometimes it has to get worse before it gets better. Although that may sound cliche, but I just, I just, I just truly believe that the moments of challenge and hardship are going to be overcome some way or the, or the other, right? There will be an outcome, um, that you're going to get on board with. And you're going to either learn from it or it's, you know, and so, so yeah, so I think that, that it's definitely created happiness. Um, and it's, you know, it's, and, and, and especially as an entrepreneur, I, I know there's lots of entrepreneurs that are more pragmatic or, um, maybe less optimistic, but for me, you know, I mean, I, I was just talking actually about this with my business partner, the, the emotional swings of, of entrepreneurship, it's, it's intense, right? It's, like one minute, it literally can be, we're building a unicorn company. The next minute could be like, what is happening with this company, right? Literally within the span of an hour, uh, you can have these really wide ranging emotions. And so I've just found optimism just keeps me balanced and grounded despite how good or how bad something might be at any given time. Um, I believe that the future is going to be better. And, and so it just keeps me, at least it helps me get through each day and each challenge uh, one day at a time. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Justin, you've been very generous with your time and profoundly generous with your insights. I appreciate that. Before you go, I wonder if you would take a minute and just tell people how they can learn more about Fundraise and how they can connect with you, perhaps on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can go to our, our website, uh, fundraise.org. Again, there's no D, it's fundraise.org. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can search Justin Wheeler. Uh, I usually post three or four times a week. Um, practical, tactical uh, tips around uh, fundraising. 
Uh, and also, uh, we have a podcast uh, called Nonstop Nonprofit, where we bring on uh, nonprofit leaders to talk everything from leadership to management to fundraising. Uh, today, we released a podcast on the Great Resignation, how to retain your employees better. Um, so it's a it's a wide kind of ranging podcast, but it definitely, if you're a nonprofit leader looking to grow your organization uh, and learn from pros that have been doing it for you know twenty plus years, uh, that's that's another uh, another piece of content you could you can check out. Um, and then you know I always anytime I'm uh, speaking or on a podcast, I always give listeners my cell phone number too in case they want to shoot me a text uh, to get in touch, and that's five six two two four two eight one six zero. Fantastic. Well, Justin, thank you. Thank you for your generosity and for uh, sharing your cell number and everything else. I congratulate you on the success you're having at Fundraise, especially you approaching now a billion dollars raised for nonprofits. Kudos to you. Uh, and we wish you every success in continuing to help nonprofits you know, build the money to put behind their missions. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun uh, uh, chatting with you. All righty, let's do some good. Let's do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.